0: Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Property. I'm Peter Switzer and each week we take the pulse of property and what a time to take the pulse with the coronavirus clearly affecting the health and the pulse of the property sector. To kick off uh, tonight's program we've got Tim Lawless who's Head of Research at CoreLogic and CoreLogic is one of the the most go-to companies in Australia when it comes to house prices. I'll be interested to see how severe the house price fall has been so far and whether Tim thinks it will get a lot worse before this is over. Then we talked to Rich Harvey, who is the founder of propertybuyer.com.au and Rich is actually a a property buyer agent, helps a lot of people find properties. Interesting to see what's going on there now. So he's our, um, I guess our operative at the coalface in the property sector. And then we talked to Tommy Wu from Ibisworld. Ibisworld says a lot of the real estate services clearly have been negatively affected and that can be a bit of a guideline to where this industry is going. So without any further ado, let's catch up with my interview with Tim Lawless from CoreLogic. Well, one thing no one ever expected was that a virus that started in China could eventually have a serious impact on house prices in Australia. But of course, as we grow older, we learn and uh, we become wiser as a consequence of it. One man who spends most of his life looking at house prices is Tim Lawless from CoreLogic. Thanks for coming on the program, mate.
1: Thanks, Peter. Good to be here.
0: All right, Tim, uh, I guess it's pretty fair to say you never expected the pandemic of China to change your business life as you knew it.
1: Uh, well china's um always had a fundamental impact a fundamental impact on the economy but but not in this way so no this is definitely a shock in many ways that uh, it would be a pandemic that uh, causes so much disruption not just to how how we we live and uh, how we work but also fundamentally to the economy to sentiment and of course all that feeds into housing market activity and uh and demand
0: yeah okay so let's the latest house price data that you guys published, how much of the lockdown and closures was reflected in that data?
1: Well, the last published data from CoreLogic was the end of March. So uh, it was pretty much the the final two weeks where we started to see, uh, uh, I guess, a, a deterioration in the momentum of the marketplace in a monthly reading. Uh, but the March figures were still relatively strong, but they were continuing on from what was already a bit of a slowdown in the pace of capital gains. It looks like Sydney and Melbourne moved through a cyclical high point at around about October, November last year, and we're continuing on through that slowdown. But no doubt, as we moved into the second half of March, we did see on our daily readings a fairly um, pronounced slowdown from the middle of of the month, and that's carried through into April. As we look at that sort of rolling monthly measure that that we look at daily, you can see that Melbourne has now moved into pretty much a neutral setting. It's it's edging into into the negatives. Sydney's not far behind, but most of the smaller capital cities are holding a little bit firmer. They've lost some momentum, but but clearly seeing uh, a value still holding a little bit positive on a monthly basis.
0: Tim, are you able to, say, take the last two weeks, which I think would probably be symbolic of the, you know, the, the depth of seriousness when it comes to the impact on consumer or house-buying sentiment or and even seller sentiment, and then kind of either, I don't know what the word for annualizing a month, monthalise those two figures, to get an idea of what April or May might look like in terms of house price falls?
1: It's it's a bit early for that, to, to be honest. Um, our, our frank view on, on housing values is they're probably a little bit more insulated than activity in the market. We, we believe housing prices will probably fall somewhere around 10% nationally uh, from peak to trough, which will be quite, quite a sharp fall, say, over the next six months or so. But activity, on the other hand, is already falling really sharply. And we're in a really good position to be measuring both real estate agent activity and valuation activity. And both of those measures have fallen. Well, real estate agent activity is down about 60% on our RP data platforms. That, that covers about 70-odd percent of, of real estate agent activity across the country. And we've seen valuation activity, which is virtually a real-time read on mortgage-related uh, uh, activity activity which covers about 95% of the market, is down by about 25% since the middle of March, but still a bit higher than a year ago. So both measures are falling pretty sharply. It suggests to me that we we should expect to see a real sharp fall in new listing numbers coming on the marketplace. That's reflective of the slowdown in agent activity And the slowdown in valuations is more reflective of fewer uh, valuations for uh, purchased properties coming through. Refis are holding a little bit firmer on that data.
0: So as an economist um, who doesn't specialise in property at all, but I would have thought that the the data we saw in 2015 and 16 and 17 um, would have had a a common, um, if you like, Pool of um, data, as we would have seen in 1718, when the market clearly fell away, but there was nothing suspicious about it. It, it simply was uh, less less buyers compared to sellers, and and the you know the house prices fell. But this current situation comes from an entirely different neighbourhood. Sure, we've got the, the foundation of buyers and sellers in Australia, but the fact that the coronavirus has locked up people from actually getting their normal wage in some circumstances, some people might be getting more, but I don't think those people would have a big impact on the, the housing market. And then you throw in the sentiment factor coming from the, the pandemic and being locked up, it, it makes it must, very hard to even even believe in your 10% best guess. So, I know. You don't call that a reliable forecast because we just don't know what's going on but is there anything that i'm missing that you could turn around and say well there is a core amount of information there it might be the auction clearance rates whatever, which gives you a little bit more certainty around the accuracy of your 10 call uh,
1: not really unfortunately peter it is a bit of a gut feel at the moment to be honest and uh, anybody who thinks the models are working at the moment uh, would be, um, you know, I think uh, uh, bordering on on uh, being untruthful. So yeah. I think uh, absolutely it is it is a gut feel at the moment. But some of the reasons why we don't think housing prices will fall more materially than say ten percent is well, simply comes back to firstly the temporary nature of this disruption. Yeah. Uh, we do think it is going to be contained within, say, a six-month period at, at, at the at the outermost, and there will be some rebound in economic activity, no doubt there will be some legacy of a, of a hangover in higher unemployment. That's not going to get fixed uh, immediately. So maybe even the harder view is what happens after the six-month when we see bank leniency starting to free up a little bit? You know, that's an, another factor. But I think it's protecting housing values to some extent that we aren't expecting a real surge in distressed properties to come on the marketplace, which is typically where you'd find some downwards pressure. Uh, So uh, you'd only really be in a situation of selling at the moment place if you really had to. I I think most homeowners who are prospective vendors simply don't want to test the marketplace when there's so much uncertainty and when buyers have largely retreated back to the sidelines as well.
0: And and that is... the, I know it was the longest question I've ever asked anyone in my entire life, um, uh, Tim, but that, that was what I was looking for, that that is an example of something that didn't exist in 2016, 17 and 18. Banks weren't you know, cutting people some slack, so you, know, you, you, could, you could have seen distressed properties go on the market. At the moment, we're not seeing that.
1: That's right, which is why I think that longer term view on the marketplace is is even more uncertain. If we do see, say, unemployment holding up around the seven and a half to eight and a half percent mark, say once once the economy chugs back into life and there's no leniency from lenders, maybe that's when we do start to see more distressed properties coming on the marketplace. And that that will really test housing prices much more than, I think, this this period of disruption. Another big difference, say, between 2017 to 2019, would simply come back to, well, firstly, interest rates weren't as low as what they are at the moment. They are at emergency lows. They're going to stay that low for at least the next three years. And uh, maybe on the downside, we didn't see sentiment crashing as much as what it has. You know, To see on the Westpac numbers, uh, nearly an 18% fall over the month, and then on the ANZ weekly numbers. Uh, sentiment crashing as well, then showing a bit of a rebound. It really does highlight that consumers or homeowners at the moment don't have the ability to make high commitment decisions, which is buying or selling a home. And that's what it's really about. It's probably the highest commitment decisions households will be facing. Hmm.
0: Historically, can you look at auction clearance rates and, and just don't talk about the current situation, but historically, have auction clearance rates have been a, a forward indicator of where house prices might be going?
1: Well, clearance rates and, and housing values are really strongly correlated. It's almost, a, it's almost a perfect correlation. So I wouldn't say it's a leading indicator, but it is it is a very timely indicator, um, virtually hand in hand. What we're seeing with clearance rates, of course, is down to the low 30% range, even getting into the high 20% over the last week for some cities. Now, a big part of that crash in clearance rates um, is is simply due to the fact that there's a massive amount of withdrawn auctions happening. So withdrawn auctions are counted as unsold. So I think as, as we progress through time and there simply is fewer auctions being scheduled, that withdrawn rate is inherently and naturally going to become become much lower, which I think could even see auction clearance rates rising a little bit. So I think that correlation between clearance rates and housing values is probably going to be disrupted a little until we start to see the number of auctions actually being scheduled more realistic. And uh, at the moment, I think that that large withdrawn rate really reflects the uh, the speed at which things have changed. A lot of real estate agents weren't quite ready to go digital with their auctions. And the early feedback I'm getting from a lot of um, agencies and agents is that a digital or an online auction just simply isn't as effective as a physical on-site auction. It doesn't have the same level of of energy or competitive bidding that really makes that auction environment successful. So it's probably not not a surprise to see such a large number of auctions being withdrawn.
0: Well, Tim, you know as well as I do when it comes to a real auction you have those real estate agents hovering around the room urging people to to keep bidding more you don't get that kind of thing online do you well,
1: you do do a little to to some extent, right? It um, uh, Depends on which platform agents are using, but I think we will see more and more agents and and vendors preferring, if they are going to test the market, preferring to go private treaty, or even using some of the you know the, the quasi or or hybrids type um, methods that are popping up now. Look at a site like Open Negotiation that gives you an ability to have transparency in an almost auction like format where you can see the bids, you can see how many active vent, uh, bidders there are, but you still have that uh, um, private treaty mechanism going on as well.
0: Okay. Let, let me give you some easy questions, all right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I say that with inverted commas. All right, let's imagine we, we all do get back to work by June. Um, you yeah, know, there might be a few industries not doing as well, like international travel might still be hard, but imagine the, the, the bulk of domestic workers are back working normally. Um, And uh, unemployment, you know, tops out around seven or eight percent, but it's falling quickly because people are getting back to work. Um, And given that kind of scenario, then would you expect the spring um, sales period for 2020 to be um, a good one? And uh, it would then put a bit of a floor underneath house price falls. We've seen we see between now and the spring auction period.
1: Hard, hard TO SAY, PETER. I THINK um, A BIG PART OF IT DEPENDS ON HOW SENTIMENT REACTS. I THINK uh, THAT'S PROBABLY THE MOST IMPORTANT READING TO BE FOLLOWING AT THE MOMENT BECAUSE IT DOES ENCOMPASS PRETTY MUCH ALL THE DIFFERENT ECONOMIC READINGS AND HOW CONSUMERS ARE FEELING ABOUT THEIR HOUSEHOLD FINANCES, ABOUT THE DOMESTIC AND GLOBAL ECONOMY, ABOUT THEIR ABILITY TO HOLD A JOB. CHANCES ARE, IF THE ECONOMY STARTS CHUGGING BACK TO LIFE A LITTLE BIT EARLIER ON, WE WILL SEE A LIFT IN SENTIMENT LEVELS AND THAT WILL BE REFLECTED IN MORE ACTIVITY ACROSS THE MARKETPLACE. If that lines up with, say, the the spring selling season or even the the late spring, early summer selling season, which, as you say, is typically generally a seasonally strong part of the cycle, then, yeah, I think we probably will see some pent up demand being released onto the market and uh, more buyers and sellers becoming active, taking advantage of really low interest rates. But I think it really depends on how the consumers react. I think uh, without a doubt, there will be some legacy of of COVID-19 once all these social distancing policies are lifted, and that probably will be reflected in in a lower level of sentiment, which probably suggests even if the market does start to bounce back during that time, we probably won't see it as active as what we would have, say, uh, had this disruption not happened.
0: Okay, let me try something pessimistic, which is totally foreign to me, but Let's imagine we do go back by June, but then by July, we're starting to see second wave uh, infections and they lock us down again. What do you you think would be the worst case scenario for house prices then?
1: Probably what we're looking at at the moment, right? If we see a second wave of this, uh, it's it's exactly what, what we're seeing at the moment, which is buyers and sellers retreating to the sidelines activity, uh, moving into some level of hibernation, it really depends on whether we see the same policies being rolled out or potentially extended. Mm. Specifically, the lenders become uh, more willing to go beyond that six-month window and provide some leniency to uh, distressed borrowers. I think that's a big part of of keeping a floor under housing prices is making sure we don't see a flood of distressed properties coming on the market. That'll be one of the game changers, I think, if we do see uh, um, uh, those lending policies uh, are being relaxed or that leniency being uh, uh, taken away at a time when the economy is still very weak. I think from a lender's perspective, they'd be one of the, the, the key groups here that don't want to see a rise in arrears considering how much exposure banks do have to residential mortgages.
0: Mm. One last one, if you're someone who is lucky to be in a secure job, maybe you're a public servant or whatever, and you're desperate to buy a house and you've been missing out for a long time, would you be recommending they turn up to as many auctions as possible because there could be some pretty good deals out there?
1: Well, there are likely to be some, some good buying opportunities if you have the confidence and uh, you know the, the wherewithal to, to get into the marketplace. Uh, and you're not in one of those industries that are heavily affected. Uh, no doubt lenders are becoming a bit more risk averse and lending into specific, uh, specific sectors uh, based on industry types. But uh, absolutely, if you are, I guess, um, you know, uh, uh, unaffected by this disruption, there probably will be some good buying opportunities and no doubt there will be some people looking to uh, to offload their property for one reason or another and uh, at a time when there's probably not a great deal of competition amongst buyers.
0: Tim Lillis from CoreLogic, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Peter. Good to be on the show.
0: Each week in the property show, we like to find out what's happening at the coalface. And this week, we're talking to Rich Harvey, who's the founder of propertybuyer.com.au. Rich, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you, Peter. Okay, mate, let's rip into the questions. And these questions have been basically created by uh, myself and the team thinking through what's relevant to them. And some of them are definitely home buyers. How many properties have you transacted since the start of COVID-19?
2: Well, we've seen an increase in interest in our services, but a decrease in the number of transactions, Peter. My team in the last uh, little while, since the 1st of March, we've actually transacted 14 properties and engaged 11 new clients. Mm. And I've personally transacted four properties in the past four weeks. So we haven't gone into hibernation like Skymo has asked everyone to. Mm. Um, But in all of these kind of deals, I've been able to negotiate quite a a good discount to long-term value. Um, I'll just give you a couple of quick examples, if you yeah. like. So um, I bought a property in Manly for an investor for 1.2, which is about a $120,000 discount uh, based on comparable sales. Um, I bought a really nice five-bedroom family home in Killarney Heights for 2.2, but you know, it was really worth around 2.4, so effectively a 200k discount on that property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just two weeks ago, I bought another one in uh, another home in Pennant Hills for 1.4, and got around 150k discount uh, for our clients. So, you know, we're seeing some, some pretty decent discounts and pretty much most of these transactions are all off-market transactions. So they're not advertised. Mm. Um, a lot of them are properties that were, my just through my virtue of my relationship with the agent, we were able to get access to these kind of properties.
0: Mm. So uh, are these a lot of the properties that maybe uh, were going to head towards auction, but we've seen an enormous number of withdrawals from auction?
2: Mm. That's right. So, I mean, the, the clearance rate with auctions have been quite, quite low. A lot of these properties, uh, the owners wanted to do a deal prior to auction. They didn't want to run the risk of, of having a failed auction with only one or two bidders there. So, you know, I think these, these guys are definitely very motivated in what they wanted to do.
0: And, and, and there's the thinking that, OK, I'm taking $200,000 off my price, but what I'm going to buy is going to be cheaper as well?
2: Yeah, there is, there is. I mean, if you're buying or selling and buying in the same market, uh, these people are going, you know what, I don't have 14 buyers at the auction. I'm only gonna have one or two. You know what, I'm happy to take a hit on the price of what I'm gonna get for my property, but in return, I know that I'm gonna buy well. So I think for vendors that are out there considering selling, it's still a market you can sell in. We haven't seen a property price crash. You know, We're seeing prices come off their their peaks and where they're heading, but properties are still holding up holding up their own i mean i'm hearing some examples of some some quite good transactions um there's one in Kalara the other day sold for 6.3 mm. one in castle crag sold for just over five mil so there's some decent transactions still occurring Peter,
0: yeah. the demographics of the people yeah, actively involved in the market is there any sort of pattern you're seeing
2: yeah i think the the pattern is that people that are buying today are those with pretty much safe and secure jobs Um, these kind of buyers understand that the best time to buy is is now when uncertainty is high and sentiment's at its lowest. Um, So it's people who are opportunistic buyers. We've got a good mix of buyers on our books at the moment. We've got prestige buyers. We've got 1st home buyers, upgraders, investors, and commercial buyers. And these buyers, they all understand that we're in the midst of what I call an economic shock that's brought on by a health crisis. And it's it's quite a good time for them to actually transact.
0: If you look at your average or usual level of inquiries, what are they um, looking like compared to now?
2: Um, well, we're, certainly the volume of inquiries has dropped. Um, but what we're finding is that people are asking for information. Um, I did a webinar uh, three weeks ago and we had a record number of registrations, over 740 registrations. And it was the topic was the impact of COVID-19 on the property market. Um, And then I did another one, a follow up one, two weeks later with Dr. Andrew Wilson. We had over 300 registrations and I've never seen so many people engaged on the chat box wanting to know, Rich, what should I do here? I've got this situation. How should I do things? So we've got a lot of people seeking information on how to respond and how to get through this situation. But I'm also seeing, Peter, a lot of people also sit on their hands and adopt the the herd mentality. They're just doing that. Let's wait and see what happens. Um, and we're creating what's called a corona hot list of buyers, and we're encouraging them, look, if you don't feel confident in buying now, at least get yourself in a position and get your finances ready so that when you do feel comfortable, um, let's, let's move forward with an opportunity.
0: Okay, let's put you on the spot. If, if we get back to work, say, progressively from the middle of May rolling into June and July, maybe by the end of July, a lot of us are back to work would you expect a bit of a spring house price rebound?
2: Look, I think the drag, uh, Peter, will be on unemployment. That's the big question mark. You know, where the predictions are 10% unemployment. Um, I think property prices will decline slightly, a little bit more. I mean, I think they've already declined 5 or 10%. But I do think we are going to have a, a, a spring rebound. How strong that rebound is is unknown. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic that you know, we will see a rebound. But I think Peter, the thing to remember is the fundamentals of the property market haven't changed. When we headed into this year in in February, we had clearance rates at 80%. We had the the March quarter saw a 4% rise in prices in Sydney um, and, and pretty similar in not too far off in Melbourne. So we're below our 2017 peak, but the fundamentals are still there. We're still gonna, once the borders open up, we're gonna have migration. We've got people having babies, people divorcing. Um, we're still having low building approvals going through. So all of those drivers of the property market will still be there. And I think once we get through this crisis, you'll see the property market start to accelerate once again.
0: Uh, This might not be a question you have total confidence on, but you probably have thought about If you've got a client, for example, who asks for a a break from paying their mortgage while there's a few challenges for their employment, maybe it's on JobKeeper rather than their usual bigger pay, Do you think it's going to affect their credit ratings in the eyes of the bank?
2: Look, Peter, with this one, look, APRA have actually instructed the lenders and the banks uh, not to record the fact that they've asked for a a loan repayment holiday. The general answer is no, it won't impact their credit rating. But I can tell you that the banks will probably record an internal note to say that, you know, Mr Smith or Mr and Mrs Smith have taken a, a loan repayment holiday and it may impact their ability to get a loan in the short term. So I think that's just something to be careful of. So I'd say to people out there, look, if you've got the ability to repay your loans and use your line of credit to pay it, just pay it. If you're going through a hardship, well, take advantage and, and use the bank holiday to get you through.
0: One of your um, strengths or competitive advantages you bring to market is the fact that you can negotiate professionally on behalf of your clients. Mm. Uh, is this coronavirus actually increasing the, um, the value of negotiations?
2: Absolutely, look, now is a wonderful time to be negotiating. We can use that very much to our advantage. I wrote in one of my newsletters the other day that there are kind of two peaks in, in this time. Uh, one is when we've got peak panic and uh, and one is when there's the peak economic impact from the fallout from COVID-19. It seems like we're we're getting through that, that peak of infections now, we've flattened the curve, we're starting to see a little bit of optimism creep in, um, but we're using that wherever we can to negotiate deepest discount we can. I mean, I love, absolutely love negotiating for property and getting a great result, Peter, for our clients. And uh, that's what we're trained to do. We're trained to save every dollar, but also we're respectful of, of long-term value. Um, it's not like we're trying to pinch every property, but we want to pay uh, the lowest we can to it to enable our client to get the best result.
0: And the auction clearance rates clearly are falling, but are they, in a sense, less meaningful than? The Mm. rates that we saw before the coronavirus on the basis that we don't know what kind of rebound we're going to see we don't know how how high unemployment will go you mentioned 10 percent but it may well end up being seven and a half percent because of job keeper um so are you less influenced by the auction clearance rates you see nowadays
2: yeah look there's actually a a flaw in the methodology peter i mean um when i see low auction clearance rates i actually get a bit excited because uh, for me it means gosh the market's weaker But you've got to remember that not every property is sold by auction. If you look across the whole of Australia, there's over 300,000 transactions occur every year in the property market. Actually, a small percentage of those are actually sold by auction. So Melbourne leads the way with auctions, then Sydney, then Brisbane and the other capitals. Uh, And we've seen auction clearance rates get down to mid 36 30%. I mean, last weekend, 692 auctions took place, 205 sold and 314 were withdrawn. But those 314 that were withdrawn are counted as a no-sale. Hmm. So there's a bit of a flaw in the methodology. And I think all of those vendors that had their properties listed for auction uh, are pretty much now washed out. And we're going to start to see a perhaps more indicative rate of the true auction clearance rates once we get over the past the Anzac weekend and go forward uh, and see what the actual numbers are. So I think they're not perhaps as dire as the media is making out.
0: Well, one thing I know people love to hear when they tune into a property show is where people like you think are good buying opportunities so so where are the best places to buy right now mate uh best places
3: to buy
2: well it depends on what you're looking for and who you are hmm. uh i think if you're a I guess a first home buyer um suddenly properties become a little bit more affordable and it could be a great time to take advantage of that situation um, I mean, in the blue chip markets, we're still seeing some some really good opportunities. Uh, I mentioned I bought in Manly, and we're currently looking in the eastern suburbs for a number of properties, and we're seeing some really good long term long term value propositions over there. Um, I think for those that are looking to upgrade, um, really good time to consider uh, doing that, and also investors. A lot of investors have been scared off by the whole issue of rentals, um, but if you're buying in a right area, you're going to do really well. So I think. Again, it all comes down to it doesn't just because we're going through a COVID crisis doesn't change the way in which we do our research or the types of properties we buy for clients. Mm. It just means there is a, a silver lining here, and that is we can get them at a, a discount to long term mm. value.
0: And should people be thinking if someone is still willing to sell and particularly sell at auction, mm. they probably are more desperate than the people who have withdrawn, and therefore the chances of getting a good deal are probably higher? <laughs> That's right,
2: exactly. So I think, you know, don't be scared off by auctions if it is an auction property. um, I think auctions have certainly lost their mojo. Um, You've got an auctioneer doing his song and dance in front of an iPhone or a camera now. So I think it's a a much harder way to create that competitive environment. So I think buyers can definitely use that to their advantage to to try and get a good deal.
0: Rich Harvey from propertybuyer.com.au. Mate, thanks for joining us.
2: Pleasure, Peter. Thank you very much.
0: Well we well we all know how the coronavirus is changing our lives and we know that it has to be an implication for the housing sector and ultimately house prices. but IBIS World has looked at how all of this is going to affect the services in the real estate sector and so therefore we're going to talk to Tommy Wu from Ibis World. Tommy, thanks for joining us. Thanks Peter. Let's start from the wider issue before we drill down to the real estate services that are going to be negatively affected by the coronavirus. What is the link, do you think, between what happens to real estate services and house prices in particular?
3: We're seeing a lot less uh, buyers and sellers on the market. There's a lot less uh, sales activity as well. Um, we've seen in Melbourne and Sydney the clearance rates are down nearly halved. So. Um, Before the coronavirus, um, back in February, we were at 70-something percent clearance rates in Melbourne and Sydney, and that's fallen to about 30-something percent now. There's also a lot of properties that are withdrawn from the market. So prior to coronavirus, again, we were looking at numbers such as 16 or 60 properties that might be withdrawn on a given weekend, but now that's hit about 800 or 600 for some of these cities, and that's more than half of the properties that are being listed.
0: Mm. Okay, so you guys have looked at the real estate services. Can you name some of the services for, for my viewers, the ones you're, you're looking at, and tell us what the data is telling you about these um, services?
3: So uh, the data that's just come in, it's still quite early days at the moment, but um, in terms of the real estate services, it's a $26 billion sector. Sure. Um, you, know, you have real estate agents, you have conveyancing, uh real estate appraisals um you know a lot of a lot of industries that are in here we previously had them falling by about 1.3 to 1.8 percent prior to you know all of this happening but now we expect expect that to be a lot more
0: right and, and i guess you know the, the classic ones are people like valuers and even um um quantity surveyors all these industries are around it so in in terms of the data, um, uh, Tommy, um, the fall way you're seeing, how does it compare to previous periods? Like we we know between what 2017 and 18, the house price um, house prices went off the boil. The sector clearly was um, struggling pre-election and all that sort of stuff. What what does the data look like now compared to then?
3: Um, I think it's quite unprecedented at the moment. Um, We haven't seen restrictions such as, uh, you know, bans on open house inspections or traditional auctions. So there is uh, a lot of factors at play. Um, But at the same time, you know, some of these uh, services, the demand for this might hold up as well because we have the banks also, you know, they they contract or hire property valuers and things like that. So um, they'll get quite active and more involved as well, um, especially when, valuing property or revaluing property when people are refinancing and things like that, as well as, um, you know, looking into whether some properties might even fall into negative equity and things like that.
0: Yeah. Now, the interesting thing also is that you guys have made the point that a lot of these services aren't highly technological. Um, And I I guess the bottom line is when we do come out of this, there'll probably be a a greater uh, inclination for business to, to innovate and become more uh, tech-savvy?
3: Definitely. I think we've already started to see that with some of the restrictions that are put in place. Um, You know, people have been moving traditional auctions, which have been large gatherings. um, They've moved that online to digital auctions. You know, we've seen some people uh, bid for houses even uh, via SMS, or even, you know, virtual inspections that, you know, used to be around, but it's definitely going to be a lot more commonplace uh, moving forward.
0: When you look at the importance of this sector, and you said it's a a 20-odd billion-dollar sector, does it tend to be a reactive sector, or does it actually become a predictive sector uh, uh, for what's going to happen in the overall housing sector?
3: Um, I think some of the trends that we're seeing now definitely be in place um, moving forward. Um, You know, at the end of all this, after coronavirus has kind of been suppressed or, you know, it's played out its course, we might see, you know, fewer real estate agents and things like that. But the ones that are like surviving, they'll definitely come out for the better, you know, with some of these technological changes that we're seeing.
0: Okay, so if you I know you're not in the prediction business, you're really in the observation of data business, but given what you've seen in the short passage of time, if, if we get back to normality, um, say, by the end of May, end of June, would you expect there to be a, a quick flip around, Housing's houses that were withdrawn get put back on the market and the sector then rebounds?
3: Um, I do expect a bit of a rebound, you know, once we come out of this coronavirus uh, outbreak. But there will still be a lot of people that are impacted, you know, that are that have been stood down, or there's job losses. Um, they've run into financial difficulty. So I don't expect them to really get back into a job just, you know, in a in a flick of a switch. Um, but um, this could extend uh, beyond, I guess, you know, the end of this uh, financial year, even if we slow the spread of coronavirus.
0: All right, Tommy. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks, Peter.